0: Our memory verse for this week comes from Psalm 32, 5, and it's under the theme of repentance. And so we're memorizing this in the verses for uh, personal evangelism. Let's say it together. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Psalm 32, 5. All right, at this time, we will receive our tithes and offering. If the ushers would come forward, please.
1: While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service.
0: Amen. Take your Bibles and open them to the Gospel of John this morning. The Gospel of John, chapter 9. The Gospel of John in chapter 9. I'll read from there in just a couple of moments. Here's the record of an incredible and life-changing day for a particular man, a man that was born blind. Uh, there's at least three occasions that the Lord restored the sight of those that were blind. And in this one particular, it said that he was born blind. Blindness can happen at different stages in life for different reasons. I was reading an article about uh, a mine shaft back in, I believe it was Virginia, several years ago. There was an explosion and, and uh, several of the miners were trapped down there in darkness. And uh, they were waiting to be rescued. And eventually, they broke through the hole and uh, brought the light and and water and and, uh, what they, they needed to be able to get them on out. And one of those that had been in that cavern, he says, well, if they're here, why don't they turn on the light? And it was at that moment everybody realized that the explosion caused him to become blind. Everybody else could see the light that was there. Blindness happens at different times, different reasons. But here's a man that was born blind. Something else that we will understand that's a little bit unique about this. This man did not request Jesus to restore his sight. I believe about half of the miracles that Christ performed to restore health one way or another, uh, a little uh, more than half, I believe it was, the the individual asked Jesus to restore their, their health from the malady, and a little less than half of them never asked. Jesus come along, saw their need, and took care of that need even without asking. And this tells me something else about the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know? He could have just walked by. There were some there is no way walking by unnoticed or without being a spectacle. But in this particular case, the, the setting would almost appear, and certainly I was not there, we were not there, to know exactly how all of this transpired. But it would almost appear, as the record record is given, that Christ could have walked by this man of need, and, and he would have never known the difference, and his life would have gone on. But because of the compassion of Christ, he had a life-changing day. The Lord Jesus Christ restored his sight. Now, he barely gets to celebrate having life. I don't know about you, but if, if I'd have been born blind and all of a sudden, that quickly, I now have sight. And I doubt that it was poor sight. I would guess it was good 20-20 vision or, or the best vision you could have. When God does things, he does things well. And he barely gets an opportunity to celebrate. Hey, I was blind. Now I can see. And, and everybody get excited about it and, and just celebrate with him for a, wow, you can see now. What a deal. You can see. But the whole focus has changed from him to who did this? Who, 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 who restored your sight? Who was able to do this? What happened? How did this happen? And he gets lost in the picture almost uh, for the miracle, but the rest of the chapter, we're going to read only the first 12 verses, but the rest of the chapter, the focus is on Jesus Christ, which tells me something, do you know, when God does wonderful things in our lives, the real focus ought to be on Jesus Christ. And that's where this chapter goes as well. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's word, I invite you to stand. John chapter 9, I will begin with verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh, when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came, saying. Let me stop here for a moment. You'll discover that Jesus did not always perform his miracles exactly the same way. Many times he did things differently, and undoubtedly he did them differently for a reason. Verse 8. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. When then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this great record that you've given. And Lord, as we study this and learn some great lessons from this passage, Father, I pray that you will be exalted and glorified. I pray that uh, we would be taught some things about who Jesus is and some things that is good to know. Help us today, I pray. If there are any here this morning without Christ as their Savior, whether they be uncertain or maybe they are certain about this matter, it is our desire that by preaching Christ they would be brought to conviction of their great need to repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Then use this to grow and strengthen every believer here. Strengthen our walk and real relationship with, with the wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray in his precious name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to highlight seven things from this passage that I believe we can learn about this man called Jesus, the man called Jesus. The first thing that I want us to highlight here is he is seen as a man. When it says uh, uh, he's a man called or named Jesus, called Jesus, and that's as much as this blind man, now a seeing man, knew and understood. That's as good as he was able to say, this is what it is and what I know. And here we see the humanity of Jesus Christ. Now I realize for someone who does not know Jesus Christ on a real personal intimate relationship as their Savior, they may see Jesus Christ only as a man, And there's a lot of people, a lot of religious people, they do not see Jesus Christ as God incarnate. They simply see him as a man. And, and here is a guy uh, with what limitations of his knowledge or we don't know what all he knew. But in his expression, a man named Jesus called Jesus. He only knew him as a man. But he knew him as a wonderful man. There are people that think Jesus was a good man. And he was good. And uh, there are some that think he was a religious prophet, but he was more than that. We need to understand that if Jesus Christ is not God the Son, he's really not that good because then he would be a liar. There are those that, uh, of religious persuasions, that say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Get yourself a King James translation of the Bible, the one that's been trusted for over 400 years. Read the four Gospels, and you will discover that Jesus Christ did indeed claim to be God. And you'll also understand that his audience, the reason the Pharisees picked up stones and was going to stone him is because they understood that he claimed to be God. And so we'll we'll catch that one in a minute but here we want to talk about the humanity of Jesus Christ. Someone has put it this way, he was 100% man as though he were not God, yet he were 100% he was 100% God as though he were not man. And it, it's one of those great mysteries about the person of, uh, of Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate in the flesh. We read in John chapter 1 and beginning with verse 1, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then you go down through and it talks a little bit more about Jesus Christ, and then about John the Baptist who introduces Jesus Christ. And you get to verse 14, and it talks about, and the Word, which is, Speaking of Jesus Christ, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And yes, he was. God manifested in the flesh. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 53. You will find a variety of extremes in how they try to depict the Lord Jesus Christ. There are no photographs, no portraits of Jesus Christ. So, anytime you see these pictures that are pictures depicting Jesus Christ, those are simply the imagination of an artist. Some may have a better imagination, others a more worldly imagination, but nonetheless, they're simply the imagination of the artist. But here's something else we learn about the humanity of Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was kind of a plain common person. When, When there were men... That were as we as humanly defined handsome, good looking men. There were certain of them that the Bible even points that out. Absalom was one. I think David was another one that, that was considered a handsome man and and it depicted that. But do you know the Lord Jesus Christ was just that common everyday looking man? It says there was no beauty. It doesn't say that he was ugly, but there wasn't that exceptional beauty that would make him stand out from all of the rest of the man. He didn't walk around with, with some glowing light about his head or, or something about that. <coughs> it is one of those marvelous things about God as how God uh, became manifested in the flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something else we learn about his humanity, Paul tells us in the book of Philippians, and that is chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. There's another statement saying, Yes, Jesus Christ was God, is God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And so we learn and we understand from this passage the humanity of Christ. The man called Jesus. He was tempted in all ways like you and I. He would get thirsty. He would get weary and need to sleep. But yet at the same time, he was God. Which brings us to the next lesson that we learn from this passage. Not only do we see the humanity, but we see the deity of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say so in so many words in the first 12 verses. In fact, I believe you have to go to the latter end of the chapter, 35 to the end, where Christ identifies that he is the Son of God and says, I am he, you may believe in me, believe in the Son of God. In these 12 verses, it doesn't necessarily say that, but because of the miracle that he performed, it should be an indication and a sign that this is God, the Son. You see, <clears throat> we find out that here is a divine revelation that He is God incarnate. The very miracle of giving sight to a blind man was one of over 330 prophecies that was fulfilled from the Old Testament in the conception birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In all of the miracles that Christ performed, a great many of them were very uh, humanitarian. They were the fruit of great compassion to, to minister to the needs. Um, here is a man blind from birth, and his whole life was that of a beggar. He had, in in that culture, in that society, it seems like he had probably not much of any other choice. We have a lot of panhandlers today that have made that a choice. But here's one that had little or no choice in what he was doing. You look at those that had uh, contracted leprosy. And uh, he healed them of the leprosy. The the lame, the deaf, dumb, the demon-possessed... In each of these cases, it is a testimony of the compassion that Jesus Christ had toward these people. But the miracles that Jesus Christ performed was more than just an act of compassion. These were miraculous signs to validate that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, God, the Son. In Isaiah... uh, sixty one which is quoted in Luke chapter four. If you'll turn back to Luke chapter four. At the beginning of his ministry he was handed the the Old Testament and given an opportunity to read from that. And, and he began reading uh, Luke four seventeen. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. There's more to that prophecy than what he read. But he read only that which pertained to his first coming in his earthly visit like this. The rest would apply to his second coming. And when he said, this now is being performed this very day, this is being fulfilled... And one of the things included in that prophecy is to restore the sight to the blind. And so when somebody now three or four times restoring sight to the blind, the Jewish leadership should should have really been alert to those Old Testament passages. And realize that this was a sign, that this was God the Son, this was their Messiah, this was the Anointed One, they should have accepted Him. And folks, we need to understand, no matter how religious we become, when we become spiritually blind, the things that ought to be so visible and so obvious become so obscure. It is so crucial that as a child of God, we walk with God, have a heart for God, and live a spirit-led life so we can understand the great truths and not be blinded to them. But they were literally indeed blinded to that. I believe this is the most critical question every man, woman, and child needs to answer. Who is Jesus? In Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 29, the question is raised, who do men think that I am? They said, well, they think maybe you're John the Baptist again. Uh, some think you're a good man. Some think you're a prophet. And then he says, now, who do you think I am? And the answer was, thou art the Christ, the living son of God. They recognized. What do you think about Christ is absolutely crucial. You cannot believe that He is anything less than God the Son and be redeemed by Him. You must accept Him, who He is. We have a lot of things going on in our culture today. And there's a lot of religious stuff out there. Some have been traditional cults from... over two or three generations and been around for a while they they say he is a God but not God and uh, we will be a God like him there are some that think that he is a God and the brother of Lucifer folks if you've got the wrong opinion of Jesus Christ you're in trouble and, and I want to show you some verses of how crucial it is to know exactly who Jesus Christ is. Turn to first John. First John in chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Little to, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Now let's continue. I want to show you a couple of other passages along with this. Or down to verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Right here it says. This is the Bible. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son, you cannot be saved. You're following the spirit of the Antichrist. If there is a religious group that comes to your door or tries to preach to you on the radio or preach to you through the TV or through the internet or whatever... And if they come along and they do not believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son, then they are of the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, I know that sounds very strong, but folks, I'm just the messenger. That's what God's word says. It is important that we know who this man Jesus really is. Jump over another passage to chapter 4 in verse 3 and every spirit that confesseth not that jesus christ is come in the flesh is not of god and this is that spirit of antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world one more passage second john turn over to the page for some of you second john verse 7 for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that jesus christ is come in the flesh This is a deceiver and an antichrist. And so we would understand very clearly that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one, God the Son incarnate. The only way Jesus could restore sight to this blind man is that he was God the Son. And the only way that he can give you salvation, the new birth, eternal life, is if he is indeed God the Son. Two things we learn about the man called Jesus. We learn about his humanity. We learn about his deity. Thirdly, the man called Jesus was always in a providential place at the right time. Verse 1, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man. It's put here rather casually. But do you know, Jesus Christ was so committed to doing his father's will. And his life was and everything about his life was for a purpose on per, on a purpose and on time. If it had been earlier, he may have missed this man. If he'd have been later, this man may have already left. But he came by at a providentially appointed time. Things don't just happen by accident. He was here and going to deal with this blind man, not only as an act of compassion for the blind man, and not only as a sign to validate that he indeed was their Messiah, but also he used it as a teachable moment. We all need those teachable moments from God's word. Here his disciples had some things all wrong and and, uh, they needed a teachable moment. And so when things happen in your life, I believe one of the great things we ought to be asking the Lord is, What do you want to teach me about you, O God? What do you want to teach me about myself, O God, through this particular event? And use the Word of God to help you with that. And so Jesus Christ was always in the right place, always the right time to do the Father's will. It was no coincidence And so we see what he was doing there. Next, number four. The man called Jesus sees and knows our plight and need in life. This, I don't know if I can say it in proper wordage. But this goes beyond just being in the right place at the right time this this goes to the heart of how for god so loved the world here is a demonstration of god's love and god's compassion it's one thing to talk about loving the world when it is that that wide inclusive demographic out there But I tell you what, this brings it home to reality when it is demonstrated in one individual. And for those that may be a little better off, he may be considered an insignificant, almost an unsavory individual. An outcast. I forget the reference, but the Old Testament prophesied that he would gather the outcast he was blind now this this is just my envisionment of how this could look but unless his mother helped him there and straightened out his coat and his shirt and, and cleaned maybe the drizzle or, or whatever off of his beard and made sure his, his hair was trimmed and groomed and, and all combed just right in all probability he was brought there sat down and pretty much disheveled. Maybe not the cleanest of characters. Now there's the compassion of Jesus Christ. From loving the world at large to showing his love personally, individually. You see, it's not hard to love a clean, well-groomed cultured spiritually ethical person but here's a person that if he somehow managed to drag himself into a church many a churches would kind of shun him and move away from him But this is the compassion of Jesus Christ. Where the world just sets him out as a street corner decorum to beg, Jesus turns and shows his compassion and ministers to him. For God so loved the world. What a, what a testimony of the great love that he showed. Whether it be for someone's physical malady or whether he encounters a, a funeral procession where a mother has lost her son. Or whether it be those of great spiritual darkness. If you will read and reread the New Testament, one of the, and particularly the Gospels, one of the things that, that would stand out and should stand out is the compassion of Jesus Christ for those in, in the greatest of need. That was the heart of Christ. Many a times it it says, and he had compassion. Other times it says, and Jesus wept. He wept in front of Lazarus' graves. He stood up over Jerusalem, and he wept over Jerusalem for their spiritual darkness. And here he meets this one with great compassion. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever he will notice your particular need and he will have compassion for you that's why 1st Peter 5 7 issues the edict from the heart of God cast all your care upon him for he careth for you that we see in a living testimony in this passage about the man called Jesus. The man called Jesus also knows the the truth about you. I mean the whole truth. Everything about you. This is the omniscience of God. This demonstrates who he is. And, and as they come along and the disciples ask this question, they may have asked it out of his hearing, so the blind man didn't hear. It. They may have had enough courtesy to do that I don't know but you know sometimes Christians can be hurtfully bold (laughs) I could have been just standing right smack in front of this guy and asked how come is he blind his sins or his parents sins folks you may have questions in this but never lose your kindness always be careful when and where you ask your questions I don't know how this took place, but the question was, and, and you and I, we look at this and we wonder, how could they ask this question? One, we can understand, is he blind because of the sin of the parents? There are people blind today because of sinful behavior of parents. Drunkenness, drugs, STDs, other things have caused the, the birth of a child or a child to be born blind. And it's because of sinful behavior. Now, I can understand that part. But the other half of this equation was, or is it because of his sin? Now, wait a minute. He was born blind. How do you accuse him of being born blind? Now, we know we are born sinners, but everybody's born a sinner. And if that were true, then we should all be born blind. Now, we are all born spiritually blind, but physically blind. But do you know, this was part of the philosophies and the edicts of the Pharisees and and how they had way too much time to sit around and write stuff out. And they believed that certain maladies, when when a child is born with a certain malady, whether it is a type of crippledness, whether it be he's deaf, born deaf, born dumb, unable to speak, born blind, they believed that It was the result either of the sin of a parent or somehow the sin of the child before he was born. And they go back to that reference where there was two twins combating with each other in the womb. And therefore, whatever was going on before he was born, that's why he's born blind. Well, do you know what? It's a very dangerous thing to speculate about spiritual matters. It will always cause you to come to the wrong conclusions. And that's exactly what these disciples were doing, is speculating about a spiritual matter. But the Lord Jesus Christ gave the truth of the matter. The Lord knew. And as you look in here, the answer is, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sin, nor his parents But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of this world. And then he went on to perform the miracle. This is something that I believe is very important. God doesn't judge you by what man thinks. God judges you by what he knows. Now, our reputation may influence what people think about us. And we do need to understand that. And yes, our character and reputation does matter because it's either a testimony for our Savior or a reproach upon the name of our Savior. But do understand this. When you stand before God, you're not going to have to be accountable for what men think of you. You'll be judged for what God knows about you. And so this we learn about Jesus Christ. Also, we understand that the man called Jesus knows the purpose of our life. In verse 3, he said, But that the works of God should be made manifest. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians in chapter 1. <clears throat> and verse 16. I'm going to read a couple of verses. For you and I as believers of Christ and in Christ, we're born again. You have a real personal intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You read the Bible. You understand the Bible. These two verses that I'm going to read, you understand very clearly and you say praise God over. But the lost people are not going to understand this. And because they live so much for themselves, and all of the marketing is all about self-centered lifestyles, they won't even appreciate this. But folks, here is a marvelous truth about a wonderful God. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things are created by Him, And for him. Turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation 4 and verse 11. Revelation 4 and verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, that includes humanity as well. And for Thy pleasure, they are and were created. You'll find a similar statement in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. For time's sake, we can't go back and and recapture that verse. But do you know what? Everything about our life, God has created that we may bring glory to God. Now do understand that when God created us, he created us in a very perfect world where there was no sin, no death, no war, no suffering, none of that. And he created us that he could have fellowship with us. And he would come in the cool of the day and walk with Adam and Eve in fellowship and visit with them. And God created them special. It doesn't say that he did that with his animals. It says that he did that when he created man, Adam and Eve. And that all of his creation should glorify him. And he has a purpose through all of that. And even yet today, here, here is man that, that God ordained that should be born blind. So that on this particular day, he could restore his sight and glorify his heavenly father. And show the mighty works of God. So whatever comes into your life, do understand That God can use you to bring glory to Him through whatever adversity or success. In 1 Corinthians 6.19 it says, Know ye not that He has bought you and that we are to glorify Him with our body and our soul? That is our purpose in life. Here was a man born blind whose lifetime of adversity was, a, was used as a means to glorify the Heavenly Father. And stop and think. You know, here's one that, that God demonstrated his compassion upon. He was a young adult, I would presume. He was old enough to speak for himself before the Pharisees. As a parent of four children... I can only imagine the, the added difficulties of raising a child that was born blind. We didn't have to deal with that in the four children we raised. But we did have difficulties with that. <laughs> can you only imagine if the child was deaf, the child was blind, and the added challenges of teaching them how to function in life. You see, the Lord saw all of that and then used it to glorify God. Fanny Crosby, in, in her handicap, did not let that stop her from being used by God to glorify Him through all of the songwriting in a marvelous way. Jesus has a purpose for your life. And then number seven, the man called Jesus is the one who can change your life. Who can change your life? For this particular man who was born blind, it was a life of blindness and a life of begging. I I can't understand why anyone would choose to do that. That just seems like such a difficult way of life. But here was a man that may have had no other choice. This was his life. But when Jesus Christ came, his life changed physically. Now, he's not saved at this point. I know some will use this. And it can present a very good picture of what it, what salvation is. But he's not saved at this point. Not until the latter end of the chapter that he puts his faith in Jesus Christ and has clearly stated. But do you know... On the physical level, God changed his life dynamically. And because of that change, it brought him to Jesus Christ to be born again. To put his faith in Jesus Christ. My friend, you may not have your physical malady changed. But when you come to Jesus Christ, it will change your whole life. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. He dynamically transforms our life from the inside out. It's not reformation, it's transformation. Because when you get born again, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you no longer... Hunger for the things of the world but you begin having a hunger for the righteousness of God and the right things of God and want to live rightly before God there's a dynamic change that takes place that's what this man Jesus Christ can do folks what should we learn from this passage about a man called Jesus he is no ordinary man He was 100% man, but he was also 100% God in the flesh. That he knows the truth about you and cares for you and has a solution, especially spiritually. You must be born again. He tasted death for every man so that we could have forgiveness and eternal life. He cares about you. And that... He can change your life, both physically and spiritually. Oh, you might uh, be blind, get saved, and still be blind. But there's a lot of other things physically that'll change in a lot of your habits. In a lot of what you're doing. But Jesus Christ is the God-man that can change your life forever. Oh, what a Savior. Father, we come to you this morning. And again, Father, we want to lift up your name. We want to exalt you. We want to honor you. We want to glorify you. And at the same time, we want to thank you for for the wonderful work that you have, for the compassion that you have towards us that we simply do not deserve. We glorify in you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
1: Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539 or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are...
2: wow it's so soft and smooth it's cool to the touch how did you do that
4: well we took my pillow's patented bill and combined it with this new technology that we didn't have back then when i invented my pillow to bring you the best pillow in history my pillow 2.0 Because of all of you, MyPillow 2.0 has been a huge success. And now we're bringing you our best-selling Go Anywhere MyPillows with the same temperature-regulating technology. Made with my patented adjustable fill and brand-new cooling fabric, they're truly the next generation of MyPillow. So go to MyPillow.com, use your promo code KHNC to save over 60% on our MyPillow 2.0 four-pack special. You'll get two MyPillows and two Go Anywhere MyPillows Regular two fifty nine ninety two, now only ninety-nine ninety eight. King size just ten dollars more. This is a limited time offer, so please order now. KHNC. Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of My Pillow, wants to give back to KHNC listeners. He is giving us great discounts on all MyPillow products. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code KHNC. Get deep discounts on MyPillow mattress toppers, towels, sheets, and so much more. For example, Mike is offering a buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets and the new MyPillow 2.0. For these buy one get one free offers and a special free shipping program, go to mypillow.com and use promo code KHNC or call 800 948 8229. That's mypillow.com or 800 948 8229 and use promo code KHNC.
3: Visit
2: mypillow.com. Hi there. We're the guys from All Gas, No Class Radio.
3: Please join us and support our new show Sundays from 2 to 3 p.m. We'd love to have you. Because we're too ugly for OnlyFans.
4: KHNC, it's your boy Bucky. So glad to be back with my friends, Steve and Mike from the Ramsey Auto Group. I bought a truck from them about, gosh, seven months ago, and it has been a fantastic process. They have done everything they can to give me the vip experience and make sure that i'm taken care of i will never go anywhere else for a vehicle and i recommend that you don't either the ramsey auto group in Greeley, 6175 west 10th street 970-443-5654 come in and take a look see what we've got see what we have that'll fit you 9 the podesta emails epstein island hunter's laptop the 2020 stolen election what truths are they hiding find out this and more on Just Informed Talk Radio, weekdays from 7 to 9 a.m. Be sure to tune in to our two-hour American Ground Radio 4th of July special. You'll hear celebrity guests such as country music star Clint Black, the guys from Duck's Dynasty, Larry Elder, and many others talk about what our Independence Day celebration means to them. So make sure you tune in this Tuesday on the 4th at 2 p.m. for the American Ground Radio 4th of July special. Tune in Saturday mornings from 11 to noon right here on the Roar of the Rockies KHNC 1360 for the Gardening with Joy and Holly radio show. Topic focus, guests from across the country, and answering your garden questions at Saturdays, 11 to noon. Catch the replay Sundays, 4 to 5 p.m. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. (laughs)
1: The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and